What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. How do you align an elite team around a moral purpose and to operationalize excellence rapidly? My name is CT at Engage Rocket, and to help us answer that question today is Gary Milbert. Now, Gary is the Chief HR Officer of the Council Bluffs Community School District. And you know what's super interesting to me is that he cut his teeth as a teacher and a principal before coming into HR. It's a real privilege to have you on the show today, Gary. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm super curious. How did you go from being teacher, principal, and educator and jumping into HR? That must have been quite a transition. Yeah, I think 25 years ago when I was in college to be a teacher, I didn't envision myself being a chief HR officer of a school district. But as I became a principal, I got a reputation, I think, for having very high expectations, but coupling that with very high support for my employees and my team, and then also just being very um, strategic and process driven. And so from there, our, our district went through some turnover over a few years. We had some people coming in from the business world and, and being in HR, and it, it just didn't it didn't quite work um, for our district. And we got a new superintendent, and she had said, you have this reputation of high support, high expectations, and being process-driven, and I, I think you might be the guy. And I said, okay, let's give it a try. From there, I, I went back and I did take some classes, some HR classes, and then I went to school and, and started figuring out and learn by doing. That's the principal having to go back to school and becoming a student again. It must have been quite a journey. And tell me a little bit more for listeners who may not be familiar with how school districts work organizationally. How does that work for you? So we have an executive cabinet and then each part of that cabinet oversees a, a key piece of our organization. So I think fairly similar to business. So we have a chief technology officer. We have a chief academic officer that's overseeing curriculum and learning and instruction. We have a student family services that's overseeing outreach to parents and transportation and special education, things like that. Chief communications officer and then a chief financial officer and then HR is overseeing all of our strategies around recruiting, hiring, wellness, compliance. And so all of that, anything with employees follows under um, my umbrella as a chief human resource officer. And do you find that the corporate kind of setup is separate from the educators and basically for education and the administrators? Are they separate organizations or are they all within one and educators can flow back and forth like you did? I think it is, it's becoming more common to have principals move into, I think, these chief and executive cabinet roles just because we know the, the in and outs of the daily life that happens in a school. So I see that happening more often, especially across our state right now than I'd seen in the past where maybe we were recruiting people from outside of the educational world. But each sort of industry, I guess I'd call it, has their own set of norms and 
acronyms and ways of doing business. So I think it is valuable to, to bring someone in from the inside. Got it. Yeah, so do I. I. I always think you need a practitioner to at least to inform leadership on what's going on, if not to take on that leadership role themselves. And I would add about our structure, we have that executive cabinet. And then our jobs, when you're thinking about the structure, is to remove as many roadblocks as possible for our principals and teachers to do the most important work, which is teaching our kids and having our kids reach their learning targets and goals. Our customer are our schools and our principals, and then our principals' customers are their teachers and the teachers' customers are their, are their students. And we, we have to take care of each other that way. So our goal is really to support them and free them up to concentrate on their core. This was already quite a transition for you when you're moving from being an educator into the executive cabinet. And you had a relatively short amount of time or you gave yourself a relatively short amount of time to build that team up and align them across a shared vision and shared value in order to inform that the relatively strategic, both the strategic and the transactional work that you're doing. And you also talk about a moral purpose. How did you, how do you kickstart this journey? Like, how do you think about it and how did you get it going? As you mentioned, there's a really short timeline in this transition. And part of that was due, we'd had some turnover in this position. And so when there's a lot of turnover, trust starts eroding and processes start breaking down and things of that nature. So it was really important to me and my superintendent to try to to turn this around very quickly. And I had to do that with two sets of people in mind. I had to do that one with my HR team. So the people in my department that are going to be implementing the strategies. And then I also had to think about how to fix and repair those things district-wide for all of our employees and, and build that trust within our HR department as well. I wanted to start really with my team very quickly and define a, a clear mission and purpose for our team. Going back to that Simon Sinek, starting with a why, and really making everybody on my team understand why do we exist? What is our fundamental purpose? And then from there, I wanted to create some values of what would all of our internal and external actions sound like, look like, and feel like. From there, I wanted to create a vision then. If we're going to live the, that mission and values, what's the result? Then I needed to sharpen our focus. And then I had to figure out how to implement that and live those priorities. So I really wanted to get those five things done within 90 days. And so that was a very quick timeline to pack those five very large concepts into 90 days. So what I started doing is breaking that down to 30, 60, 90. So those first 30 days, what can we bite off? What can we start brainstorming? What can we actually articulate and then start working from there? What struck me from that, Gary, is so first of all, that your reputation for being both strategic and, and also very structured clearly came across very strongly in, in the way you approached this. But Many leaders think about the first 90 days and not everyone breaks it down into 30, 60, 90 like you did and laying out those five key areas. So how did you go from that planning into introducing this to the team, rallying the team around it? Because that can that communication piece is so critical, getting that team to rally around what you have come up with, get, getting buy-in and understanding. Did you find that you had to do a lot of that in the beginning or did the team co-create this with you? 
I mean, I started, I think, obviously, with one-on-one meetings with all of those team members and just listening sessions. What What is going well? What would you like to see change? And how do you think we could improve? So just getting an essence for how our team felt about the work. From there, I had a group meeting where I said to them, we're going to create our why. We're going to create our unique purpose. Obviously, the purpose of the school district is to graduate our students with a diploma. And we have an extra credential that we ask our students to graduate with. So we have that academic focus. But what is our team's really kind of purpose? Why do we exist? And it was challenging for for them to think about because they thought they were living in transactional things. So someone said, my, my purpose is to enter the codes for payroll. My purpose is to recruit. So I really had to challenge their thinking and, and provide some examples. And, and what we did from there is I had each individual write down why they think we exist, each idea on a single sticky note. And so it was an independent writing practice. And from there, they each generated anywhere from three to, to seven sticky notes. And then from there, I asked them to put them on the wall. And then we started categorizing those like terms or similar terms. And from there, I really wanted to whittle that down. And we probably ended up with 15 categories to anywhere from three to five. And really the conversations going from 15 categories and we ended up getting to three really defined and sharpened our purpose very clearly. And so we landed on select, support, develop. So our job is to select one more employee, like our most outstanding employee, support our employee. A lot of times when people call HR, they need support. It's difficult times. So support them with any kind of processes or questions or things they might need and then develop them create training, professional learning, and pathways for them to improve their practice and improve their kind of toolkit. So select, support, develop. And I was really proud of that moment. And we came out of there fortified as a really strong team of, okay, now we understand why we exist. So from there, I started saying, then how are we going to operate? And and that's where our values came in. (laughs) We're taking the HR Impact Show on the road. As a loyal listener to the HR Impact Show, we'd like to invite you to join us live at the 2024 Transform Conference at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas from March 11th through the 13th. Transform brings together people-driven leaders, investors, and innovators across industries and backgrounds with a shared passion for people innovation and transforming the world of work. The 2024 Transform Conference is going to be the best yet. Here's what you can expect. Innovative showcases, probing conversations, hands-on learning experiences, 300-plus speakers, and more. Join us and let's shape the future world of work together. Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. So this is always interesting to me. So you went from almost like 15 different things and you pulled that into three. Did you find yourself summer what people were putting out and pulling them together or were you finding yourself like eliminating things that didn't resonate with others? I would say both. 
So my job in there was to continue to question. So what do you mean by this? And, and start listening with that big net, small host. I'm listening for the emotion. I'm listening for the big idea, not the exact wording and, and trying to summarize and synthesize people's thoughts. And then we would say, oh, these three over here, we haven't talked a lot about there. There's not a lot of passion around those. Maybe those are more transactional things or, or things that are part of our operations and are part of our big purpose. As leaders of any team after leading for a few years, this exercise would feel very familiar. And I think what happens next, as you alluded to, is key. How do you operationalize this? And, you know, everyone feels good after a sticky note session. You've got this thing, you've got the photo that goes up and sent around on email. Everyone's got it. And then what next? So how did you translate that into actual operations? What would internal and external interactions look and sound like if we were like the best team on the face of the earth? It was very important to me that we were respectful because through the turnover and things falling through, it, it seemed like some things got out of HR wasn't as respectful maybe as they needed to be. And, and things were breaking down communication wise, which I think is a big part of respect as well. We articulated those values, trustworthy, timeliness, transparency, and respectfulness. And one way we operationalize those still to this day is in our staff meetings, we start many of our staff meetings by saying, okay, what did you do in the last week? that exhibits one of our values. And so we're constantly pulling that back out in front of our team members and they're constantly reflecting on that and saying, I was very transparent with this employee yesterday, even though it's tough information, it was in a respectful manner, it was in a transparent manner. So that was our operating values. Then that shared vision piece was that third step and we're, we're getting close to moving into my 60 days here. But those two things were my first 30 and that shared vision is probably getting closer in that 60 time frame. And I kept asking, so if we're living this mission, our operating values, what's the result? And that's coming back to that purpose as well as like mission and values are great. You put them on a wall or you put them on your slide deck or whatever, but what is the result of us operating like that? And what would employees say about us if we're operating? like? That? And we wanted to be empathic. We wanted to be accurate. We wanted to be timely and we wanted to free people up to do their jobs and not worry about the HR stuff. And so anytime we're interacting with an employee, it's coming back to that. It's coming back to those values. It's coming back to that purpose. And it's coming back to that shared vision that I'm dealing with you with empathy. We're accurate. It's timely. And we're getting you on so you can do the important work in our organization. I love how you're also like in this whole process, beginning with the end in mind, like what is it that employees are going to say, going to think about HR and leading with that as your North Star to guide that thinking. And you mentioned this is into your 60 days. If I could maybe take a pause from that and say, now looking back at that now today, do you go out and do data collection from others within the organization about HR's performance? It's almost like customer NPS for HR. Is that something that, that you do as a practice? We absolutely do. I'm the kind of the only department that does a yearly survey, do many climate surveys and things in our buildings. So we're getting our employees' thoughts and temperatures around many things a year, but I have an HR specific customer experience survey that I give every year. And we were at like 84% and 82% last year. And one of the questions is like, how are we living our values and, and, and how are we operating? And I, I'm very proud of that data for a lot of HR. HRs don't score in the 80%. Yes, we, it is important for me to go back and, and seek that feedback. I ask those 
two questions about our, our purpose and our, our values, how we do on those. And then I ask what's something we've done well and what's something you'd like to see improve. So it's a four question survey. We get a lot of great action steps out of what would you like to see improve? And we hold that back into our yearly plan almost every single year. It, it's great that you're doing that. And I'm sure like you bake that into your scorecards for performance management across the teams and, and all that kind of good stuff. So now we're back at 60 days and it's already clear to me that everything that you've been planning and laying the foundations of is now being lived out, which is pretty awesome. Now, how did you go from that to the 90 days? What would you say was some of the biggest things that you managed to achieve and to lay that foundations for your elite team of HR? I So I would say between that 60 and 90, now that we have that strong purpose, we have those values, we have that vision of that feeling. It was really the last two things was sharpening that focus. I knew I could not come in and I, I kept seeing things like, oh, I want, I want to change that. I want to fix this. I want to change this. We have to fix this. This is broken. This process is unclear. And it was really about sharpening the focus about what are the transactional things we need to focus on right away to sometimes we call it the low hanging fruit what's the low hanging fruit we can just clean up and take care of right away so those transactional activities and then let's identify some metrics and some goals around those and then what are some strategic actions we need to start looking forward in the next year one year two and year three and let's identify some metrics and goals around those once again with my team and now i'm getting input from my stakeholders, which is mostly principals, but also the teachers through the teacher unions and things like that. I'm getting feedback on transactional things that we should focus on and strategic things that we should focus on. And so that is, once again, synthesizing sessions and listening sessions and capturing those big ideas. It's, it, it sounds like a lot of work, but it's it also feels like you got to put in that work, especially at the beginning. Where we started this conversation was how did you go from someone who wasn't even in HR and then taking on that leadership executive role and, and very rapidly driving the team towards objectives. I think this sounds very much like a masterclass in change management for yourself and for the team. And you were generous enough to share what you, you actually planned out in those 90 days uh, with our listeners. And I'll include all of those in the show notes. There, there were these four pillars that you talked about, like performance excellence, strategic staffing, management and development, and culture and rewards. Did you see these four pillars as the main kind of operating pillars that you're going to work with it? How did you come up with these four things? The easy answer, but it's very complex in action, is by listening and having these conversations with stakeholders. And a large belief of mine and a tenet of my leadership is engaging. When you engage the people closest to the work, they'll help you solve the problems because they know it better than you do. So it's really important to engage them, get their thoughts, and not only their the little thoughts, the, the big emotional, capture the big emotions that are coming from them as well. And through that process and sharpening those priorities, once again, those four categories shook out. And, and that really has been, those four categories are the major strategies. And then we put our action steps underneath those. And that's been our HR action plan moving forward ever since. We can always fit something under those four categories. But it's, it really came from listening and engaging others. I, I feel like the 306090 was more of an acceleration plan for you, but it was also just became part of building that operating rhythm of listening and acting on what you're hearing. How is it that you operate and, and infuse that into your daily operations today? 
if we'd done all this work and then it just went in a binder somewhere and we didn't live it, it would it'd be worthless. I think we communicate our priorities by living them. And that, that sounds trite, but like I mentioned, we pull out that HR action plan about once a month as a team. We look at it. We start our meetings by reflecting on how did we live our values this week? How do we live our mission this week? We have that scorecard with our metrics. We have our goals we're reflecting on. In my job as a leader, I think, and a strategic leader is I'm, I'm monitoring, overseeing the transactional, but I, I have to pull people out of that on a regular basis and think once again, big picture, strategic. How are we doing? Where's our goals? What's our metrics like? And then that refocuses them and they go back into transactional, which is great because we don't exist without transactional action steps each day, but I have to always refocus on the strategic because without it, we can get lost in the the day-to-day and the minutia. So if you were to give advice to another leader or some another chief HR officer in, in a different organization in being able to infuse this moral purpose quickly and operationalize excellence within their teams, if, if you could boil everything that you've done down into a few key principles, like what would you advise them to take note of or to bear in mind? I don't know how I would do it without those five things that we, we've been discussing today. So that define that mission slash purpose, articulate those operating values, define that shared vision, sharpen the focus, and then create a plan to live those priorities. That, that's my box. That's my template, those five things. And then from there, put in regular check marks and, and reminders for you to always be checking in on it so you're living it and communicate, 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 listen, <laughs> because the, li- the listening piece is once again, engaging the people closest to the work would be the other caveat to that. They'll tell you, they know what they want it to feel like and they understand the core work that needs to be done and how we're here to, and how we can help them do it better. So you've got a five-step process. You've got both communicating and listening and engaging people that are closest to the work because they know stuff that, that we don't. This has uh, been a real pleasure speaking with you. If anyone wants to find out more from you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? On my LinkedIn would probably be the easiest way, Gary Melbourne. Perfect. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, Gary. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. Please do drop over to engagerocket.co slash hrimpact to capture all the different episodes Uh, of the HR Impact Show. And it's also our community page. So that's where you'll find Gary's interview as well as many other leaders who are there and all of the best practices and frameworks and downloads you'll be able to find on that page as well. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. My name is CT and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.